Mm-hmm. Yes. You are listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that rigorously <laughs> examines the Sopranos one episode at a time. I'm very happy to say that Naya's here with me today. Hello. Glad to have you back. <laughs> I'm so happy to be back. How have things been? They've been good. I've finished all my music. I was in New York, but I haven't had anyone to talk to about Sopranos, so I feel bottled up. Are you happy with the output? Yeah, I'm happy with the output. I'm already sick of them, ready to get them out and start making new ones, but yeah. Can you announce anything in terms of timeline? Hopefully in the next month or two. Is it going to be an album or is it going to be an EP? I'm too, like, emotionally unstable to call it an album yet, but it's too long to be an EP. So I think we'll call it, like, a project and then top of the year, a full album, like a second album. Okay. But there's, like, 10 songs on it. 10 songs? Yeah, it could be an album. That's an album. Just can't commit to that yet. Let's begin our rigorous inquiry into mergers and acquisitions. The title is a reference to corporate finance strategy, the acquiring or consolidating of assets. Here, it seems as though Valentina was the asset, Mm. amongst other things. HBO synopsis, Polly takes pains to integrate his mother, Nucci, into the social world at Green Grove. Meanwhile, Furio faces up to his inner feelings during a trip to Italy to see his ailing father. Ralph introduces Tony to his new Gumar, Valentina. Gumar's in quotes. Yeah. And Carmela finds a new source of investment income. This episode was written by Lawrence Connor, who also co-wrote the prequel movie that's coming out. Interesting. And directed by Daniel Adias. The show opens on The Soprano House. A quiet, calm morning. Classic Sopranos misdirection, Naya. Mm-hmm. Given the fingernail that Carmela is going to find in this episode, uh, that is but one domino that sets the rest of the season in motion. Carmela hands Furio a coffee with more milk and sugar. It's more comforting that way. Little bonuses. Note the camera trickery. Mm. It's revealed through motion that she's handing the coffee to Furio rather than Tony. First thing in the morning, it's kind of an interesting glimpse into the life of a Carmelo Furio Well, that's what, when I was watching it, I was like, this is, they look like a normal couple that actually likes each other. And then Tony comes in, it's like, not even awkward, just like, who are you? Who are you? You don't belong here. Yeah, Furio's confiding in her, she's giving him coffee, she's listening. It's, it's like really weird. I miss that every time I watched it, but now I get it, like, this could have been. The camera. Yeah. Is what's so cool yeah, about it. Totally. Furio's shirt. Naya, the pattern, <laughs> the silk. Any reactions? I mean, it's Furio. Feelings and style. Note that she puts her hand on his shoulder mm. and he acknowledges that. Again, this is like the Partridge family over here. We're slowly learning that he has to leave. We hear something about immigration, they make problems. Maybe Tony can help with that. I, for one, would love to know how. Tony would help with that. Maybe a phone call to Zelman? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Furio has a visa, right? They brought him over illegally. So I think it would be 
if he's going back, how does he get back in? Right. So they'd have to kind of do that thing again. Probably. Oh, I was thinking like a guns blazing situation. Like so, like maybe he would put in a phone call to Slava or mm, something. That could work too. But, no, you. I'm with you. I on think that. it's it more that. Sense. Yeah, it's the it's the it's how's he going to get Tony back in? And Tony has no. He just is so oblivious to any kind of. I mean, Furio and Carmela keep it together very well. There's no obvious or even subconscious flirting that I can read on. And Tony just isn't aware on anything, right? He's not aware. No. He's not aware until he's aware. Yeah. Uh, she's doing a great job. Yeah. But she's towing the line. Yeah. Last couple of episodes I've also mentioned, like, it's getting more emphatic mm-hmm. in the moments they're having with each other in the house, a lot yeah. of balls. Mm-hmm. Like, of all the places to do it, can't she, like, keep it? At this point, they're both brimming over the yeah. top. But Tony's so in his own mind. Yeah. As I've learned in therapy with narcissistic behavior, Mm -hmm. they really are just thinking about themselves. You can be right in front of one doing something that would potentially harm them, but they won't see it unless they want to see it. Yeah. I did think it was interesting Tony offers him money as if like to solve anything. Yeah, money solves everything, right? Yeah. Tony's even talked about that. Yeah. Tony and Carmela at the dinner table, um, no, you think about money. No, all you think about is money. Yeah. Did that money have strings attached? I think Furio just feels so guilty that he can't take it. That's how good of a guy he is. He's in love with his wife. He needs it. I'm sure he needs it. It was interesting. It, it, it's also like don't, if Tony offers, like, you don't say no. Like, yeah. it's one of those things, like, if the if the boss gives you something, you take it with humility and grace. Uh, there's a little bit of tension there that's yeah. going on. Like, he's almost showing Carmela, like— I still I, got the power or something. Ophirio's like, I don't need his money. Yeah. I can take care of us on our own. Mm. Um, mm. Also, this soundbite that came to mind when Furio's starting to, like, talk, Tony cuts him off with the money. Mr. Empathy over here from Everybody Hurts. Totally. When Carmela tells Tony about Gloria. Mm. Okay, so this is the other thing with uh, when I was doing them solo, I got to stop whenever I wanted to because I had to like figure out how to segue <laughs> myself. And most of the time, yeah. I segued myself with like a musical Aww, interlude. I love that. But I have I'm to sorry like, you've been all alone. I have to like think. Okay. Yeah. So Furio says, "Sorry, Tony. Someone else is going to give you. Or someone else is going to have to drive you tonight." Right. And he says, "Not a problem." This, of course, is all to set up the beautiful <laughs> scene yeah. where Polly is driving Tony. Yeah. Doesn't Tony look fucking thrilled? Oh, it's so good. The shot has a very different look and feel. I've mentioned this in a a few episodes ago, very cinematic, and it has Michael Mann vibes. Are you Mm. seeing that? Heat, collateral, the nighttime, the angle. When you see people driving in a car, it's normally head on, but this is like way off kilter at an angle. Paulie gets into how his ma is sick, too. Tony's not into it. But he also doesn't hand Paulie a fist of cash. For Furio, it's there, but for Paulie, it's not. We're not talking about this. We can talk about any topic you like, T. Good. The way Paulie said T mm-hmm. was very patronizing. Yeah. Patronizing. There was four months of being locked up in federal prison coming out in that enunciation of the word T. Or the letter T. Also, Tony's very much in the same mood as he was at the end of the Christopher episode. Do you remember the what the fuck happened to Gary Cooper? Yeah. One of the greatest speeches of all time. For fuck's sake, Paulie. Everybody's going to get old and die. Best line of the episode is, (laughs) Am I driving you tomorrow too? No, I'll drive myself. He seemed like annoyed that he might have to do it, right? 
hundred percent. It made him realize, like, first of all, I'm Paulie. Yeah. And, you know, he's already talking to Johnny Sack. So he's not happy about his situation. He's not happy about being the Uber driver before, of course, there was Uber. So much passive aggression in this So episode. much passive aggression. No, I'll drive myself, Tony says, on account that he has a very <laughs> important meeting, a delicate situation. So delicate. Such great fucking writing, though. <laughs> Cut to the delicacy of a green on a golf course. Nothing more delicate than getting a ball to sink in the hole under par. Right? Yeah, make a putt. He's with Neil Mink. We haven't seen him in a little while, Mm-mm. but there's a reason. We get a nice sort of reintroduction to him hearkening back to things past. How's the life of leisure? He asked that because he gave him an instruction. Right. You need to dial things back, right? So we're getting a little bit of that back. So how's the life of leisure? Playing golf, ain't I? Cocksucker. Uh, <laughs> Mink disses his game with a well-established safety zone comfort level that they have. Mm-hmm. Most people that do that would probably lose a thumb totally. or lose a hand. Tony conveys he's implemented the strategy they've discussed earlier. And I believe this was around the time that federal indictments were coming down okay. back in season one. Yeah. To avoid most of the day-to-day mobbed-up stuff and park his butt at Barone Sanitation. How much time do you think has passed since he first had this conversation with his lawyer where he told him to take a step back to now? I if you had to guess. like At least a couple years. Oh, wow. Because Meta was in high school still. Okay. She's in college now. And again, this was season one, and now we're in season four. Okay. It's a long time to be that bored and not do anything. Idle hands, which I'm gonna yeah. which I'm gonna ask you about. Mm-hmm. Tony says, I don't want to celebrate my daughter's first kid in prison. A tad early, no? Yeah. I or is that so. the Roman Catholic way, early and often? Yeah, or also that's just like maybe his go to thing to say. Yeah. But yeah, but it's also like super sexist that his daughter's gonna yeah. just do that. Next. Tony calls Chris about a sit-down in Perth Amboy. Mm. Indulge me on this. I really love the way these two words sound together, (laughs) especially when Tony says them. That's not what I thought you were going to say. And he says them. What did you think I was going to say? I don't know. Not that you like the sound of the words. Perth Amboy? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go Carmen Sandiego on you for a little geography lesson here. Perth Amboy is a city in New Jersey, Middlesex County. Kind of like it sounds. It's in middle New Jersey. Mm -hmm. John Bon Jovi was born in Perth Amboy. Oh, wow. There's a little Italian connection there. (laughs) But who the fuck is Perth and who the fuck is Amboy? It's probably a code name. It's got to be. I'm assuming it's two different things because the combination of words for some reason makes it virtually impossible Mm -hmm. that it's the name of a single person or place. Right. Turns out my guess was right. Perth comes from a guy named James Drummond who was the Earl of Perth mm. and one of the first Scottish settlers, Scottish, I tried to say this earlier too, <laughs> one of the first Scottish settlers back in the 1600s. And Amboy is a transmogrification mm. of the word ampage, which is the indigenous word for level ground. So the that all just went so over my head. The Scottish settlers that came took that Native American word ampage okay. and turned it into Amboy. Got it. Got and it. Perth and Amboy came together to make this little region in Middlesex County of New Jersey. Okay. So Tony <laughs> doles out instructions to Christopher. Patsy's gonna run Furio's car operation, we learn while he's gone. He's gonna kick up 10 points. Mm-hmm. Wonder if that's more since Furio's out. I wonder if Tony's taxing the beast a little bit. Probably. Right? I think so. It's an opportunity. 
Yeah. No one's going to say anything. Seven and a half to me, two and a half to Polly. He says, who can keep track of this stuff, though? Is what I was wondering. Definitely not Christopher. Yeah. He's always I mean, laying down. He's always there's <laughs> no, right there's no, no one's writing notes. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question about that in a moment, too. But there's no technology. There's no iPhones. It's just like, who? this person's getting this many points. This person's getting that many points. I'm figuring it's all about how light the envelope is. Yeah. How light is too light. If you give me an envelope and I shake it. I think it depends on the mood. I mean, depends on the mood. The day. Depends on the day. We learn that the Longshore Union needs to be paid, but Tony says he's going to let Chris and Syl figure that out. A leader seemingly delegating responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like Junior earlier, who said, when I delegate, I delegate. I delegate. Mm-hmm. But hold on to this concept for later. <laughs> I like that we got a Junior reference in an episode where we don't see Junior. I know. I missed him. Chris is writing all this down on a pillow. Have you ever done that? No. I have fancy sheets. Like 1,600 count Egyptian cotton? I don't think so. Because I have like too much like face mask shit that always gets on them. Like I'll put a face mask on. You don't put on. a towel over the? Well, I do. Like today I was like reviewing this and I put a face mask on and like a towel, but it was like a green, like a dark green seaweed thing. Yeah. And just somehow I'm typing. It's like, it's on me. It's everywhere. Are you doing CBD masks? Have you heard of those? I have some CBD face oil. But not the mask. Not the mask. Okay. I have some body stuff. I know what that smells like, incidentally, <laughs> because we have one at home. It smells pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Um... Where's the craziest place you've ever written down something in a jam? I mean, I write on my hands all the time, but I think on a wall, just like on the on a wall in my house. On a wall in your house? Yeah, but it, a lipstick on a mirror is like kind of cute. Note how Tony checks out surroundings once hanging up the payphone. I'm always obsessed with this. I thought this was weird. I have a theory, and I got the theory like literally 45 minutes before you got here. It's followed by a sigh, which yeah. I love. It's always him sort of like, okay, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to make it through the day on this one too. No one's watching me. There's no parabolics. There's no Agent Skip Lapari. But he always does that. And the camera stays, the frame is locked on him for a longer point than normal. Yeah. Here's my thought. Well, first of all, he's always checking, right, his surroundings until he doesn't, which mm-hmm. we've been talking about since day one. But note the semi-truck barreling through in the opposite direction. Mm. The sound feature there was so great contextually. You're in the middle of New Jersey in the thick of the highway. You need the effect of the freeway. You need a right. horn or you need some, something. You need something loud. But the timing couldn't be coincidental. So part of why I think he lingered there and the frame holds still is that production was waiting for that raw and real element to occur. Mm, Makes sense? I think so. I mean, to me, it just felt a little awkward, you know? And, like, life sucks. He's like, hangs up. He's like, here we go. Another thing to do. Another thing to do. Last note on this sequence. Shout out to payphone nostalgia. I know. There's no payphones anymore. Even more a relic from the past than ever before. Just yesterday, we got these iPhone 11 Maxes now. Why do we need this? Three fucking camera lenses, Naya. What does that even mean? On the back of a phone. And more processing power than a rocket ship to the moon. In a phone. What do you mean three lenses? Like So it has a regular lens. Okay. And the front lens now, too, by the way, can film in 4K. So your selfies are in 4K video. Nobody wants that. And people do, I guess. Uh, just, then they just Facetune it. Now they have Facetune it's apps. It's all about the content, right? The fucking word content. 
people are retouching all their photos, and now there's apps to retouch your videos. Retouch your videos. Like your selfie videos. But now you can get, you can shoot native wide angle on the camera, so you don't have to do it in post. It basically, apparently, is saving you a couple of steps in post. Do people have jobs? Are these people out doing, like, panoramic, like... Ron Howard shots? This is crazy. There, I watched the keynote yesterday because you know how I roll. I do. I've, and thank God you do. I don't know. I wouldn't know this is they, happening. They've literally made this to target Hollywood productions. Like Steven Soderbergh would use iPhone 11s, Maxes, you gotta get the Max. To shoot videos? To shoot movies. No. To make movies. I'm not kidding. It will happen. It has everything you need. You obviously can't get a lot of the... You know, well, maybe maybe you can make the, like the high dolly stuff or like the motion. I mean, you definitely could. You just—it's so much lighter. Just throw the phone up. Yeah, That's and crazy. they're a thousand bucks a piece. If you want to use an Alexa camera, an Ari Alexa, or like a red camera, mm-hmm. that's like a minimum $50,000 investment. Totally. A Those thousand are a bucks? a lot to rent per day, trust me. Three of these, that's $3,000 versus $50,000? It's just going to be so weird. Like on music video sets, people just holding phones at you. On your artist page, there's like an overhead shot of you walking on the beach. Yeah, that was, was a that drone. Done, was that done with the iPhones? That was a drone, and we attached a camera to it. But I could have just fucking done my phone, I you guess. Could have done it, you could have done it with, well, not with a new one if you just want to. feel sad for blind people lately. Why? Because we live in such a visible age. Like, I don't know. But they can listen to podcasts. Well, I know, and that's okay. cool. And they don't have to see half of the shit that sucks that, that everyone's sucks. posting nachos all day. Have you seen Stevie Wonder's Instagram account? No. Oh my God, it's amazing. What is his Instagram account? I don't know if he's running it, but it's verified as him. So it's someone else, obviously. And every square is just black. And it's like best nachos ever. But through his eyes. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. It's really cool. Yeah, because I thought it was an interesting way for him to be a part of the platform. But, you know, he can't obviously see the sunset. But he'll still post, like love this beach or something and then like we don't get to see the photo which i actually think is an interesting like um subconscious of like actually withholding the image from us but still seeing what the image was supposed to be or could be and i was like this is an interesting like way to advertise stuff like not show people something really thinking about it like branding wise i think it could be interesting especially if he's actually at the place yeah and the post is from like in real time i'm at the beach now Mm -hmm. i see black but I feel yeah. in the cap. Whatever he's feeling is in the caption. All I know is I wanted to see it more than I do when I see it when someone else posts it because I can't see it. And you also know that it's coming from Stevie Wonder. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a, I need to follow him. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Anyway, okay. Cut to another. So we go from a payphone, mm-hmm. and then we cut to another relic of the past: an indoor shopping mall. I know. Do you hang out at malls? Yeah, I had my first date there, Johnny Rockets. I didn't have a date, but I did take a girl to Steak Escape. Do you remember? Steak Escape? It's called the Steak. It was like a cheesesteak place at the mall. <laughs> You've never heard of Steak Escape? No, that sounds like, you know like you're you, trying to escape from the shitty steak. You've heard of uh, Sbarro, right? Sbarro yeah, Pizza? Yeah, the pizza, yeah. Is it, is it Barro or is it Sbarro? I thought it was Sbarro. Sbarro. S-B-A-R-R-O. Yeah, they like me. It was like, it, Steak Escape was like a staple like Sbarro was in California. In the In the ni- 80s and 90s. It's long since gone, but I did take someone there. Not Aww. as a date, but... Well, now everyone shops online. There's no more malls. Yeah, awful. that's why it's a relic of the past. More sulky Tony. I know. He's bored. He's so bored. You mentioned this earlier. He's idle hands, right? Yeah. He instructed Chris to handle more of the day-to-day, which he did. As Mink said, like we just 
talked about a moment ago, but he's bored out of his mind. And you know what they say about idle hands, right? What? All roads lead to Valentina La Paz. (laughs) There's something very American, though, about killing time at shopping malls. Yeah. Even today, obviously the Grove is outdoor, Mm -hmm. but if you ever are meeting someone in L.A., and you have time to kill in your near the Grove. Just, I've done it at least a half too. dozen times. You just hang out at the fucking Grove. Yeah. So, uh, very slice of life, very regularness yeah. of life. Also, when we've seen him in ma- malls before, he was doing things. He was like looking at the massage things. He was like much more aware. He was just literally sitting there, not interested in anything. Chewing out Richie Aprile. Yeah, he was in the like massage store looking at shit. Yeah. He wasn't even doing it. He was just sitting there. We see him drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. Little detail it says Europa. I like that on the I cup, saw that too. which exists, in my opinion, to segue us to a mural of Italy. Yeah, probably Naples mm-hmm. and that same stretch of beach. Tony walks on with Annalisa. Mm-hmm. The Furio song is back. Cue the music, namely Vesuvio by Spaccanopoli. Is that the name of the song? It's called Vesuvio. Oh my god, I and can't wait to play that. The artist is Spaccanopoli. I'm gonna have you write that down for me when I leave. Through camera reveal, again, Mm -hmm. we see Carmela is gazing at it. So good. And it's just her and that painting. They're the only two things on the earth. Yep. And since you're back, Naya, it's like Tom Hanks and Wilson. I saw it. On that island. I've seen it. It's exactly what she said it is. Tom Hanks with a ball on an island. My one question that I will ask you, how did you feel when he goes back to Helen Hunt? I was sad, but I I don't like Tom Hanks, so I was kind of like... <laughs> so you keep looking at him like you don't see him as the character. You saw him as Tom Hanks the whole time. Well, what is Tom Hanks with his voice? So it didn't make you emotional when he, of pe- course. When he pulls away and she runs out in the rain? But, like, you can't get it all. He survived a fucking island, man. I don't know. I, I think at that point I was just like, can this be over? And the Wilson thing, John and I ruined it for you. No, you made it at least something where I knew what I was getting myself into. Like, there's going to be a volleyball. Wilson didn't make you emotional. He's going to be there. They're going to try to do the fire. No. When he yells, I'm sorry, Wilson. It's one of the saddest three words ever. I mean, I get it. It was a good movie. When did it come out? Like in the early 2000s? Yeah. Must have been like a real big. It was huge. Yeah. It was huge. (sighs) Thank you for watching it. I never want to watch it again, though. <laughs> so it's not rewatchable. It's like, no. No, because once, you know what, I mean, have you watched it more than once? Many times. What? Many times. Are you serious? What I do, it's one of the movies that I'll put on before bed, and I'll just, I won't finish it. I'll just, I'll, it'll be like company. I would watch it just the beginning, just for the, like, how he gets on the island. So she, like, just like, I just like the beginning. By the way, uh, you a Cape Fear fan? Yeah, of course. You know, I interviewed the screenwriter of Scorsese's no Cape way, Fear. No It's up. It's the last episode. Oh, no, I didn't. He was, he was in here. Sometimes I don't know names to things. Yeah, but I love that movie. Yeah. And it was so cool to hear, like, the scenes, like, in this scene, this mm. is why this happened, and he was explaining it. There's a couple of scenes in Castaway that I was thinking about it. Like, in, the reason I brought it up is because I was thinking about Castaway. But it's, uh, it's Cape Fear is another one of those movies that I can always just have on. Yeah. And uh, Castaway is in that That's milieu crazy. for me. Did you not, see the new Quentin movie? Not yet. Oh. Not yet. I need to. Okay, see that. I'm curious what you think. What did you think? 
It wasn't what I was expecting, but I liked it. It had revisionist history, right? He took he yeah. took liberties with history. We talk about that in the in the podcast with Wesley Strick, mm-hmm. the writer of Cape Fear, because he's the executive producer of that show on Amazon called The Man in the High Castle. Oh, that's a great show. I only watched a couple of episodes. Well, it's like pretty depressing. So. But it's revisionist history, right? It's like yeah. what if America lost World War Two? Yikes. Anyway. Well, thank you for watching of it. Course. It means a lot. It's only been a year. And to the like four people that have DM'd me every now and then, like, did you see it yet? Like, I, I saw <laughs> now you can it. finally say it. it for the record. Yeah. Um, and, and now I, I kind of know what to do when I get stuck on an island. You know how to make fucking fire. I could never do that. You will. What? I will never survive. I wear contacts. The beauty of Tom Hanks in that movie is that he was an ordinary person just like you and me. And the the takeaway is that in extraordinary circumstances, we can become superheroes. I could never. No way. You, you'd figure it the fuck out. I have contacts. I, what would I do with I my... I have contacts too. I have one a days. Um, okay, let's get back to the episode, yes. otherwise we'll be here you forever. You started the castaway thing. Not yes, me. I needed to go. I, you know I needed to work that in. I got to work in the <laughs> It's NBA like in too. two more times, too. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you went through this. Okay, the regularness of life reality is that Carmela's not alone with Furio in Naples. She's actually at dinner yeah. with cousin Brian and Janelle. Mm. Uh, Carmela to Artie. It's a nice little bridging the gap from a previous episode. They ever catch those muggers? Yeah. This, of course, is tying back to a few episodes ago when Tony makes Artie fabricate the origin of his injuries. For dessert, Tony orders one zabillon with mm. four spoons, coffees all around. Those are like a sweet custard type thing. It's a northern Italian dessert. Uh, it's spiked with cognac, yeah, correct? They're, I don't like them. It's like egg yolks and sugar. Have you had them? No, I don't like it. Okay. Artie's not amused. Mm-mm. Artie's thinking, free meals for life. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. And so it goes and so it goes. That's my little Billy Joel slip in, which actually is coming up again momentarily. I have a question that is something I want to ask later, but yeah. it's something to plant a seed for you to answer me later. Why? Because Carmela's like daydreaming about Furio, right? And she's like lost in the mural and all this shit, but it's... It feels then contradicting to how conflicted she is in this episode with Tony and how dissatisfied and this whole like feminist talk that comes up and the money and her agenda. But like when I'm in love or like when women, at least some of my friends, like nothing else really matters because that should be enough to make you happy. But it just feels like a little like contradicting of her. We, We see these exaggerated kind of like romantic things. She's humming the song. She's lost in the things. But then also this like horribly contradicting behavior of like being disappointed with Tony, being upset and all this stuff. And is it coming from a lack of security, lack of communication from Tony? Or is she just wants to get out of this shitty marriage and be with Furio? Like, is it a longing thing for Furio? It's not like a sexy thing yet. I mean, she's fantasizing about him, but... I think there's a little bit of sexual tension. For sure, but is it like, I want to be with him? Or is it just like, he's my escape still right now? Well, let me answer your question with a question. Yeah. Does she see Furio as a life raft out of this life? I mean, he says, and I mean, to not to skip ahead, but he says, I am in love with her. I yeah. love her. That's yeah. a huge statement for someone who's never slept with her or even voice that honesty to her so it's very I, shakespearean yeah it's it's and that's hardcore and he even considered maybe killing tony for it you well, know hold that yeah. thought but and think we'll, about like we'll carmela's like like her demeanor is a little all over the place for me and i can't tell like 
it's a little off for me of her character usually. And it becomes, she well, she unravels a little bit more as, you know, she discovers what we're going to talk about. But then I think all this will culminate in the in the final scene with yeah, Tony and Carmela. For sure. But and even the conversation with Rosalie we'll get to too. Yeah, like she's just there. a little all over the place. So before we get to Carmela asking Brian for financial advice, the last thing about Artie that I want to mention, just to tie everything up nicely, is that we know... We, the viewer, know what's going on between Tony and Artie, um, but certain people here, namely Carmela, don't. Yeah. And that's one of the beautiful gifts of The Sopranos that keeps on giving. Yeah. Okay, so Carm asks Brian for financial advice. She mentions a house they sold in Newark. Mm. She's talking about the one on Freeling Has an Avenue. But Brian thinks it's the HUD scam from last episode. Tony instantaneously catches where that could go Mm. and invokes Paul Newman. HUD? What? Kid loves Paul Newman movies. (laughs) HUD is a Western. Mm. We've been talking a lot about Westerns for the last several handful of episodes. Another Western reference. This one came out in 1963, starring Paul Newman, was nominated for seven Academy Awards, and took home three. The number three. Tony says he trusts him 1,000%. Carm looks on suspiciously. Yeah. Naya, what do you think she's seeing there? What's gnawing at her in this moment? She knows that something's up. But Brian's family, why is she so... But he's not... I mean, she says it later he's very magnetic or whatever to Rosalie. Like Brings he pulls him into people a circle. In. She's weary of Brian getting tainted, maybe? Well, he's a pawn, and she thought he was on her side to some degree because he's on her side of the family, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there was a bit of like, okay, this will protect me to some regards. This will balance me me Yeah, and it'll be neutral. He's not in the mob. I mean, she had to convince Tony to do this for her, even meet with him. And even later she says, you know, he did meet me halfway with the Bryant thing. Mm -hmm. But she's not dumb. She can see it. And I I trust him a thousand percent. And they put their heads together. Yeah, Tony Soprano saying a thousand percent is very rare to hear him trust anyone like that. I like what you said. She thought Brian worked for her. Yeah. And it's not the case. Mm -mm. Cut to the church diaper drive. An interesting venue for two women to complain about their spouses. Organizing diapers by size. Roe has, this is a great Roe moment. Yeah. One of her great Roe moments in the show. Nobody told him to go and have babies without husbands. Very Catholic of her, yeah. right? Is there a Roe in your life, in your family? Uh, that would say something like that? A little bit, but you'd have to like trigger them. Okay. You know. Then they're talking about money like you mentioned. Yeah. Carmela finds out from Roe that Roe didn't really know what she had until after she buried Jackie. Mm-hmm. And then she asks the question, how much is enough anyway? Right. How much is enough? Yeah. You got a number? I mean, well, this is where my predicament happens with Carmela the most. Because she's like, I'm not a feminist, not 50-50. I put up with this Guma shit. I made my peace with it, right? Yeah. But so here's the thing. Why is she... So how much is enough, right, is what you asked? Mm-hmm. Is it more she just wants to feel in on it and understand and communicate with her because she doesn't know? Or do you think there actually is a number for her? I think it's very specific. What do you think it is? I think she knows it's not going to end well for Tony. Mm -hmm. It never does. Mm -hmm. And she wants to have a mound of untainted and protected money. But that's not possible. That bird feeder money is not clean. Mm, Cash is clean. If, unless there's marked bills or something, cash cash is clean. But and we'll get to it when she does the little investments, the nine point nine k investment thing. But I think what she wants is she wants she wants to know that there's a 
air conditioner duct full of cash that's untainted and won't be possessed or, um, what's the word? That only she knows about? That's appropriated by the government. Not that she knows about, but that she knows that if Tony dies and he actually leaves her with nothing, that she has like a safe house. So she doesn't trust him. Let me ask you this. Would you trust him? Of course not. No. I mean, I wouldn't even trust a normal man. Would it? (laughs) Yeah. So that's my point. She's not dumb. She lives in the same world we live in. She knows what she married. She probably trusts him a little bit less than you and I would trust a normal other person because of the nature of his job. Yeah. But she's married to him and she has kids with him and so she has to coexist with him. Do you think subconsciously even way way more in the subconscious it's also because she wishes she could get out and have some money and be with furio life raft yeah crazy carmela mentions and we just talked about it a moment ago tony pulls people into a circle i don't know Mm -hmm. what to think and that's going back to that dinner with brian cut to the horse stable more horse expenses love it reason i mentioned that is because ralph is disapproving of Piomai over and over again yeah, i just want to set that on the table and make sure you're thinking about that tony's got a straw in his mouth a vestige of an old western yeah. again giving more love to that horse than he'll give to any single human that entire week yeah or month enter valentina La Paz. <laughs> Naya, your initial thoughts, reactions upon seeing her, look, apparel, details. She's a type, man. She's a, those Valentinas are alive and well. Any Gloria Trillo vibes? Nah. Different. There's, she's half Cuban, so there's like a little bit more, it's just different. Dangerous combination, why? Because Sim- she's not full Italian. She's not full, like Cuban and Italian, those are both. I don't know, because she, she does remind you of Gloria in some of her style choices a little bit here and there, and her dark hair and dark eyes, which we know is Tony's type, which I find interesting. He married a blonde woman, and later the the girl he's with at the club is blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, Miss Iceland. Yeah, I think Valentina, I don't know. I think there's a little Gloria Trillo going through his mind. No one's really said it. Well, she has a job. It. She makes her own money, and she's horribly insecure. And we find that out within like. But she doesn't have as much baggage as Gloria. She's a little more of a free spirit. There's a great line where she says, "Believe me, I am not hung up." <laughs> that's a great line. That's because that's the cu- Cuban in her, maybe. So we learn that she works at an art gallery, mm-hmm. which is a little. Uh, I wouldn't believe it. Exaggerated, (laughs) as we'll learn. Um, Ralph has a great line where he says, she's helping me enlarge my collection. This My Chiquita Banana is Piomai. We see that she's a trickster, right? She Mm -hmm. cons Ralph into stepping into horse shit. It's good luck, we learn. Do you know anything about that? What? Yeah, of course. It's good luck. My dad used to um, own a racehorse. I don't know what it is about Italians and racehorses. I mean, I kind of do. It's a big thing, but... I found... Is Chiquita Banana Cuban? No. I like where your mind is going, though. Um, I found that apparently the French believe in stepping in shit with your left foot is good luck. Well, if you get shit on by a bird, it's good luck, too. That, too. But this is unique to the French people. I was looking up superstitions earlier, and I found an Italian one. Italians are very superstitious. That if you eat lasagna on New Year's Day, you'll have a great year. Have you heard that we one? We eat lasagna on New Year's Day all the time. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know it, the Chiquita Banana song? No. Sing it. 
I'm Chiquita Banana, and I come to say bananas have to ripen in a certain way. When they reflective brown and had a have a golden peel, bananas taste the best and are the best for you. Bum 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 bum. You can put them in a salad. There's a lot. You can put them in a pie. Any way you want to eat them, it's impossible to beat them. But bananas have a climate of a very, very tropical equator. So never put bananas in the refrigerator. Oh, no, no, no. How do you remember that? Because I was pissed off in my elementary school uh, variety show because I wanted to be Chiquita Banana. And this other girl got it. She lip synced, though. Thank you for singing on the podcast for the first time. (laughs) I wish I could, like, take that out of my brain and have more space for new things. For other stuff? Yeah. Like Perth Amboy's uh, (laughs) etymology. Yeah. You're right, though. She is like Gloria Trillo. I didn't even get that. I got more on that coming. Yeah. So Tony gets a kick out of her instantly. Uh, He's instantly a fan of Valentina, besides the obvious reason. Mm -hmm. She's attractive. We learn she's Italian and Cuban. Dangerous combination. Already said that. Tony said that. One historic point of interest that I found to connect the Italians and the Cubans, Mm -hmm. Christopher Columbus, who we know is an Italian from Genoa. We know Mm -hmm. how Furio feels about people from Genoa, Mm -hmm. uh, accidentally found Cuba. Mm -hmm. So there's a connection. She gives Tony her card so that he might get a portrait made of Piomai. Yeah. We're like, we're planting seeds for future episodes. We're left with a visual. This is a very interesting thing to me. We're left with a visual of Ralphie hugging Valentina. I saw that too. That's so funny. And Tony with hugging Piomai. I said that. It's like the in- the interesting couple shots. It's forced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's intentional. But Tony's also kind of looking longingly at her, and you kind of know there's a, there's a little signal of where things might go and how this story might develop. Do you think, I mean, what I also thought was interesting was when Ralphie comes back, he doesn't even look phased that Valentina was talking to Tony. No, because we're going to learn about his sexual proclivities. He's not even thinking about Gloria. But hasn't Ralphie mentioned how Tony's like a dog that wants more bones? Who was that who said he's like a dog who wants a bone? Ralphie said that. He was talking shit about him at a diner with uh, Eugene Pontecorvo and Vito. Yeah, just meaning I feel like they have a bit of tension. I would, but I guess Ralphie's just... But Ralph talks like that in front of the boys. That's true. And we're going to learn a lot about Ralph momentarily. (laughs) Cut to a little comic relief portion of the show. Uh, Polly at Greengrove. This makes you laugh. This makes me sad. It kind of, we'll, we'll see. So Benny Fazio's helping Nucci unpack her stuff. Little Polly's there too. We get another reference. Yeah. Uh, we get another Western reference. Come on, cowgirl. Let's go down to the chuck wagon and see what they're rustling up. I feel like that's straight from a Johnny Cash lyric. I feel like I've heard Johnny Cash, I know I've heard Johnny Cash say, Chuck Wagon, and I know I've heard Johnny Cash say rustling. I don't know if it's all from the same line or not. I'm quite impressed, to be honest with you, that Paulie listens to Johnny Cash. I thought he was just the Nancy Frank Sinatra guy. Do you know what a Chuck Wagon is or was? No, tell me. A Chuck Wagon is a type of field kitchen covered wagon historically used for the storage of transportation of perishable food and cooking equipment on the prairies in the United States and Canada. So you would go down to the wagon to see, like, what the food is in so there. So actually super relevant to yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Same idea. It makes sense. Very good context. Love it. Uh, we're introduced to Cookie and Min. Mm. Fucking golden girls over here. The original mean girls. I got to use the WC, Nucci says, which stands for water closet. It's actually a British thing. Quite a cultural little really? relic from uh, Nucci. Polly is told that his mother can't hang with the others. They're a set group. Sign that we really do regress back to Sandlot politics in old age. I know. Is that really how it goes? I think so. 
I think the older you get, the more set in your ways you do get, too. Is, is this where it becomes sad for you? Like, the Nucci's basically like the oddball? Yeah, and also just, like, I don't I don't want that life. I don't want to end up old oh. and, like, girls just mean. Would you rather be old in your own place, or would you rather be old in a little community of people? I hate people, so I'd rather die alone in my own house. So they're mm. a set group. Right. Do you think it's based purely on who Polly is and what he does for a living? Or is it something deeper? I think it's a teeny bit of that. Because even when Polly's asking about her son, you can sense a bit of, like, arrogance from the mom back. Like, she's proud of it because he's straight. Yeah. And maybe I'm just reading into that. But I can sense—I felt, I felt that for some weird reason. Yeah, we feel it as a viewer, but it's yeah. not addressed literally. Also, they knew Polly was a little shit kid growing up. True. You know, they don't give a shit about him. And his mom's kind of a bummer. Meanwhile, back at Casa Soprano— <laughs> Tony is getting a new home theater installed. Probably used some of the proceeds from the HUD scam from the last episode to pay for it. Mm. Kind of a nice little tie-in if you're following along. Fucking Fugitive again, though. Never the seen references, that. yeah, that's a good one. Really? You gotta watch that. It's aged well, too. I actually watched it before this episode. References to this movie keep popping up. Mm. The last time was back in season one, Tennessee Moltisanti, mm. when Christopher's talking about arcs to Polly. Also, nice little tie-in, Joe Pantoliano, who, played Ra- who plays Ralphie, uh, was, in, was in that movie. He was? Yeah. Oh, now I'm going to watch it. Then, Tony says... So I clapped him sitting right there at your house. The song is Bell Bottom Blues. Listen to that album all day today, by so the way. Good. From a short-lived band Clapton put together in 1970 called Derek and the Dominoes. The one studio album they released, Naya, mm-hmm. Layla, and other assorted love songs. So good. Is considered one of Clapton's greatest musical achievements. It's really good. Some of the songs from that album that had weight and relevance for me when framing them in the context of The Sopranos include the titles Nobody Knows When You're Down and Out, mm-hmm. Key to the Highway, mm. Why Does Love Got to Be So Sad, and finally, it's too late. Well, that makes sense because Eric Clapton is basically a blues singer. He's a blues guitarist, and blues are all, we're basically like westerns. Blues and westerns are all those big one liners. Bingo. <laughs> Interestingly, the song we hear in the show, Bell Bottom Blues, features the use of a tubla drum, mm. which I studied and played for almost 10 years. So are I was you really excited when I saw. That like they use that. So strange, I it, love it. It was so. So this album was not produced, but it was George Harrison collaborated on it from the Beatles. Okay, and he was really into Indian sitar music during this exact same time frame. So it's not coincidental that there's a bunch of Indian music. Why haven't I known this? Why can't we get? Do you have one? I have one at home. Yeah. I have one. Let's go. I studied Bring it, it next I time. I studied it for 10 years. Bring it. I wasn't good enough. I didn't tell you the story. No. I used, I made a demo. I did a, did a classical <laughs> Indian performance. Can I hear this? No, I won't share it. It's Please? But I put it in my Stanford application. I applied to get into their music program. Oh my God. And I, I didn't know any of this. Yeah. Well, that's where the music comes from. That's why I have a drum machine on my desk. Because oh my I, God, bring it next I'm time. I'm a drum programmer. Play it. Yeah. I'm going to make you a beat. I'll just make you some beats. Yeah. And you can use beats in one of your future songs. You but should. That's I where, need new beats. That's where the music 
came from. I always wanted to be a musician. That's why I love you. Well, you can be I'm a, a musician. Because I'm a failed fucking musician. You're I not love, a failed musician. I love being around musical people. I hate when people think that way. Um, final note on this song. Okay. Because I can't help myself. The lyric, I don't want to fade away, mm. is similar to the title of David Chase's post-Sopranos feature, Not Fade Away. And I wonder if he got that from this song. What is that? Not Fade Away? His movie's called Not Fade Away. Which one? David Chase's movie that he made after he made The Sopranos. That, like, one about the band? About the band, where James Gandolfini's the dad. Mm -hmm. The lyric reminded me of that. Yeah, that is That's why I put it, I'm putting that on the table. The word fading a lot, even, like, Journey uses those kind of words. Yeah. In their music. Good point. Then, we go from tabla drums to bagpipes. (laughs) An instrument of war. For sure. Okay, this is very, I'm planting, I'm threading needles here now, okay? An instrument of war in a room where something ominous is going to happen this season. Totally. Okay. that's a really good call. An ominous foreshadowing of what's to come. Tony says we can all watch movies as a family now to Carmela. The timing of that statement will turn out to be very ironic as Mm -hmm. well. So put that in your back pocket. Carmela mentions in the bedroom, the movie, It's referenced. Tony thinks she means, be my alarm clock, I'm going to bed. He says, what time do you want me to wake you up? But the movie, which came out in 2001, again, everything is so fucking intentional. I know, it's annoying. It's perfect. The movie is about a family in transition. Mm -hmm. Not transition, 2019 transition. No, I know what you mean. Transition, (laughs) okay? It's a good one. Very on point, sleight of hand reference for what season four is shaping up to be. It's crazy. Then there's a wall detail point of note. The Key Largo film poster. Bogart, Robinson, Bacall. This is a classic film that features mobsters and references Cubans and Italians. There you go. Nice tie-in for the same episode that introduces us to Valentina. However coincidental that might be. Final thought on this sequence. Timing-wise, it's an interesting introduction, and correct me if I'm wrong, Interesting introduction of this aspect of their house. We've never seen it before. The guest house, the yeah, the, the house. It's like the pool house, right? The pool house. The choice of it in this episode signals that change is coming in some form. Hours later, right? We see a blue screen yeah. of his new home theater system. Pink Floyd is mm. blasting. The dark side of the moon's last track, Eclipse, is playing. God, I love Pink Floyd. Yeah. And I love that album. What a musically rich episode. Deep, deep, rich episode. It's interesting that this is the album they used in this moment, though. I know. I thought that, too. There's a little bit of a tell. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an album that wrestles with conflict. And as we're about to see, Tony is very conflicted about Valentina. And if that connection is intentional, it's beyond brilliant. It's true. Dark Side of the Moon has sold, drum roll, 50 million copies worldwide. Wow. And charted for over 900 weeks. That's crazy. Tony's out cold, crumbs all over his shirt. He inputs to Fugitive again upon waking. A movie about a man running away from something. That's the premise. Yeah. But Tony's about to run toward something. He gets more popcorn. He's watching looks at Valentina's card, decides to call. At the same time he decides to call, the movie is showing Harrison Ford's character calling, sorry, it's it okay. must have been me. 
At the moment he's about to call her, Harrison Ford's character is on the phone saying, tell him to give me whatever help I need, mm. all right? Timing. It's quick. They picked that line totally. because Valentina's about to help him out in more ways than one. Does she, though? Is he that torn? Okay, yeah, continue. Well, you tell me after you hear this. Yeah, yeah. They go see the portraiture artist. Cropping out Ralph was a big deal for Tony. That also kind of serves to diminish him in front of his girlfriend. Well, also in the situation, it's weird. Like, they're flirting. Like, let's just get him out of the picture, too. Like, literally out of the picture. Oh, let's erase him so we can... Oh, I like that. But he also did it as a power move, right? Or does he need to do it as a power move? Or does Valentina already know what this guy's all about? I mean, I think it's just like he's probably... Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really want this fucking picture, does he? So you think this is all a ploy to get in bed with her? Yeah, which I then am confused because it's not like Ralphie doesn't have money. She seems so, like, impressed that he has this money. Yeah, 6500 is the price. Yeah. No negotiating? Is he just trying to impress? Totally. He could have easily said, do it for 5000 Is that guy going to say no to him? No. But she, he looks at her and she goes like this. She yeah. shakes her head and then he says, okay. It's, but Ralphie has this cash, doesn't he? He has this kind of cash. He just complains about money more. Nah, he doesn't complain about it as much as Paulie does. But um, more than Tony, right? He doesn't have as much as Tony. I think Ralphie's actually doing okay. He's wearing that, that, That's what I'm saying. that jacket, uh, the trench coat, the silk Burberry-looking yeah. trench coat. So why does Valentina like him so much? Like Tony? Yeah. Does she know he's the boss? That's my question for you. I mean, she's not getting sex. She's not having sex normally, so maybe she's not satisfied and he showed a little interest in her. Hold on to it. He insults her twice. And I want to ask you that same question after we go through okay. this. But it's, it's, I'm, I'm wondering the same thing. Tony gives cash on the spot. Very boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's got fucking $8,000 just hanging out in their pocket, right? Um, if you want on the way, we can stop and eat something, she says. Such a loaded little statement. I know. If you notice the way she's like caressing the wine glass while she's talking to him. Did you like that he fucked up the name Pio Mine versus Pio Mai? And Tony really was adamant about correcting him. Yeah. Tony loves that animal. I know. Uh, they hook up. She plays a salt trick on him. Have you ever done that before because of the show? No. Okay. I would never ruin. Are you that a, kind I would of never person? ruin a steak you like never that. Ruin some, you never fuck up someone's dinner no. for fun. Yeah, I wouldn't either. It's kind of a dick move. It was just she's. It's so overcompensating though. Her trying to gain control and like, you could sense how satisfied she is. But it's like you know, a lot of women replace like sex for love and things like that. She's she just seems so calm for a second. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. Later, he buys a piece of jewelry for her. First, he writes, it was great while it lasted, love, Tony. Then he writes it again, sincerely, Tony. Any thoughts on his choice of wording? I don't know. I couldn't get a gauge of, like, who gives a shit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why is he being, why is he tiptoeing so much? He doesn't give a fuck about Ralphie. You know, like, what's the real harm? Does he really, he's just trying to do the right thing? He's not trying to do the right thing. So Doing the right thing would be not, having sex with other women. So, yeah, but then why change the word? Because he doesn't want her to get attached? That's the only thing I could think of. So the reason I think mm-hmm. he didn't put love... Girls hate love. that shit. Do they? Oof, if you change from love to sincerely... Pff. But you're not going to know that he changed it. Yeah, but we would know that you said sincerely, which is like, fuck you, which is why she said fuck you oh, back so you him. would expect to see love. If you slept with someone, yeah. and the beginning sentence was like, it was fun while it lasted... At least, like, love Vic. Like, just to, like, a little... Gotcha. I'm with you now. Yeah. I'm with you. You know? So, he didn't... He changed it from love to sincerely because he was thinking of Gloria. 
That's just my thought. Really? It, and again, it means nothing. No one knows anything. But I think he's still hung up on Gloria. He loved Gloria. I think Gloria put a dent in him in a way that other women have not been able to. This also is one episode removed from when Assemblyman Zellman, he found out that he's sleeping with Irina. But don't you think Gloria was just an Oedipus thing? No. He finally got the love from his mom that he wanted in a way. And then, of course, that can't really survive or last. Well, when you say it that way, yes. Yeah, there is a lot of that there. Yeah. That's why he was stuck on her. It's fucked up, man. You missed the snapping of the nail. That just that scene, we could talk about it later, but it just oh, happens. It's coming back. Yeah, so we, she breaks the nail. Yeah. I'm going to bring it up when Carmela finds it. Okay. But it's cool that it just happens in the scene and you have no like thoughts of what why we care about it, what matters. It's just more like those nails I've had nails on not even that long for like photos and stuff. I don't know how these women zip their fly with nails that long. Like, those nails should be snapping all day long. All day long. So it's an int- I thought it was just interesting because, like, the culture— not that anyone gives a shit on this podcast that listens to nail culture, but nail culture is a huge thing. And even, like, um, Edie Falco would say she didn't really feel like Carmela until they put the nails, the set of nails I've on her. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it changes your entire way you move, the way you touch things. And I just think it was such an interesting, like— symbol like that's the straw that breaks the camel's back for the for a lot of things to like domino effect let me ask you why do women do the nails a lot of it is like the history of nails i should know more but it's like a huge thing and the older you get as a woman you know you can't really like wear super sexy clothes as you get older so one of them the things you can do is like showcase your personality with like nails and in jersey and like New York, like having like that French tip, which is like the beige with the white tip thing. It's like very common. It's like also super tacky, like having nails that are long and tacky are just, that's a thing. Is it status? Is it sexual? Or is it it's just aesthetic? Like, it's aesthetic and like a standard way to express yourself through your nails. You know a lot about a woman based on what shape she has of her nails, like what where she's from. And now it's, like, out of control what you can do with your nails, <laughs> like okay. nail art. But also just seeing, like, Carmela knew instantly that wasn't her nail because Carmela wears fake nails. But just because the hers, uh, Valentina had diamonds on hers, like little She shitty, knew it wasn't hers. Yeah, because it could have easily been hers, but it wasn't the same color. It was ah. totally different thing. It's a cheap-ass nail with bad bedazzled things on it. And just for the record, I could do an hour on nail culture if you yeah, if you I'll have because yeah. I am curious about that it's stuff. It's crazy. It is very relevant and to the Sopranos. And it takes fucking forever. Yeah. I'm also have we ever been in a nail salon in this series? I feel like we have. Well, Polly, Polly was getting the which pine I think bands. is so crazy because we've heard Carmel go, "I'm going to go get my nails done," but yeah. we've never seen it. But that is, it's a very interesting subculture that's huge in this show. Everyone has really nice nails, like tacky nails. Let's go back to Green Grove. Okay. Uh, we're at game night. Cookie. Real piece of fucking work, Naya. Fucking card-counting Rain Man over here. Okay? <laughs> and we don't see it yet, if you're watching it for the first time, but this is building towards something. Mm-hmm. So it's not incidental. It feels throwaway. It feels knowing who the fuck is Cookie, who the fuck is Min. It's relevant. Okay? So pay attention to them. Next. Oh, go ahead. Do you think... This just hit me that Paulie sees himself a little bit in his mom, the way he feels like he's getting slightly bullied by Tony. I dig that. 
I never thought of that. Maybe not consciously. I'm he, really into the subconscious today. That's my word of the choice. Let's do it. But don't you think he's like she's getting a little bullied a little or like made fun of and stuff the way Polly is a little bit here and there in his crew. Let's use a word that Silvio used with Tony. Yeah. Marginalized. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting parallel there. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And this just after Polly got out of jail, had lunch with Johnny Sack and saying this guy wouldn't even fucking call me when I was in the can. Which I find interesting really because it's like, you know, the relationship between, we don't just see Tony and his mother, we hear about Ralphie and his mother, and we also see Polly and his mother. And like, what Melfi says, everything goes down, is everything about your fucking mother? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it really is. And so we learn a little bit more about each of these men that work together based on their relationship with their mother. It's fucking crazy. Love it. <laughs> Next, Karm is humming the Furio song in the shower while Tony's brushing his teeth. She's thinking about Furio while Tony's preoccupied with his gums. Interesting contrast. Tony then pours cold water on her. In a way, he's kind of comparing Carmela to Valentina here. That's what I saw. Like, can I have juvenile fun with you like I can have with her? My question for you as a husband, wouldn't you have noticed... Wouldn't you have put the two and two together of what 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 she's humming? No. Really? I guess maybe because I'm a musician, I would have known exactly what she was humming and where she had heard that song. I and wouldn't Meta be was playing it. I would. It was a banger, man. She was <laughs> she was humming a banger, you know. And and Carmel and and Meadow had it in the house. Do you think he also knew she was having a good time humming a song in the shower, so he wanted to fuck it up? Yeah, I'm funny. guilty. I'm guilty that I do the cold water in the shower thing all the time, but it's not a promise that I made on my <laughs> in, on my honeymoon. Um, Does she hate it? Yeah, she doesn't she, love it. She but... doesn't do. She doesn't do it back, but she doesn't love it. But it actually comes from a place of love. You Does know, it's, it? it's a way. It's a it's a way to create some kinetic energy in the yeah, relationship. Yeah, a little tension. This is the one promise I would like you to keep. She says. That's it? That's the one promise she wants him to keep? (laughs) Well, it's pretty strongly worded, though. She's implying that he's an asshole. Okay? Um, It kind of puts him on the mat, too. Yeah. Because it gives him, in a moment, a way to catalog all of the ways in which he's actually reneged on his promises. Mm. And the only thing he can give her is a whatever. I know. He's such a child. We know when you say whatever, basically means... The exact opposite. Yeah. Um, It's powerful because it's right after he's just done something despicable. And he knows it. It almost for a minute kind of felt like he suspected she was on to him already. He certainly has that level of paranoia where where it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. Um, What's one promise you've asked someone to keep in a similar fashion? You don't have to say who, but like what's the... Is there a similar analog in your life? There was when I was younger because I had, like, a fear of locking doors. So my sister would have to—who's younger— would have to, like, guard the bathroom door for me because I was too afraid to lock it. And then she would just leave. So people would walk in on me going to the bathroom. And I'd be like, promise me you won't leave, like, guarding the bathroom door. And she'd be like, I promise. And she would always fucking leave. That's exactly what I was looking for. (laughs) Polly goes to visit Chucky Cirillo, Mm. son of Cookie. Now a principal at his school, we learn. A North Bergen. I don't know if that's a good school or a bad school, but she made a point to mention it, so it must yeah. be prestigious, right? We learn that ninth grade was as far as Polly got in high school. Freshman, right? He's here. It's freshman. He's here to politely extort Chucky. 
obviously evidenced by the fact he gifts him carry-on luggage, which was odd, but I believe it to be strangely symbolic. If you don't do what I say, you better get the hell out of town. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Said with Polly's signature finger point <laughs> gesture. Later, Carm is doing laundry and finds a broken nail with Tony's stuff. Yeah. Valentina said she lost one while they were together. Tony brushes it off. I have a problem with this and I'll get to it. And so it begins this downward spiral or perhaps a better expression and a way to tie Billy Joel in once again. And so it goes. I love that song. And note that this happens in the same episode where earlier Carm tells Roe, Tony's been so much better with the Gumars. Well, she said she made her peace with it. This is my question again. Why does this trigger her so much? I mean, I get why it would trigger me, even if I said I'm accepting it, blah, blah, blah. Like She made her peace with it after she saw that second priest who was also a therapist. And he said, remember when she said, maybe you should go see an OBGYN? Yeah. She made her peace with it after crack hour. Yeah. Said leave him because marriage is a sacrament. Yeah. I think it was an episode ago. She tells Adriana, who decides that her and Christopher are going to get married. She says, you know, you can't go to Vegas. Marriage is a sacrament. Yeah. So. Also, Furio's gone. She's all alone in her shitty fishbowl. Tony's out, obviously sleeping with someone else that she now can valid, like verify because of the nail. This sucks. You know, what, and that's why she retaliates and goes and gets, gets the money. Fuck this. Question for you. Mm-hmm. Was Tony too careless? Should he have covered his tracks better? No, those nails can get anywhere. I find them everywhere when okay. I used to put them on. So nail culture. Yeah. You can't escape it. Mm-mm. It's given. Because <laughs> she snapped it and it was on the bed and they kept making out and it probably just got caught in his shirt or something because he had taken it off or whatever. It's It's like, it's a realistic thing to happen if that's... Something anyone's like, oh, how would the nail get there? Because in the past, we've seen him take off his clothes, smell them, and throw them in the laundry. You know, he's actually taken a few steps to prevent discovery. But here, it was, it felt Were they me, dirty clothes? They were clean clothes, right? I don't know. It just felt a little lazy to me. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not an expert in hiding. But uh, you're thinking for cologne. You're thinking for perfume. Perfume. Make, I would probably lipstick. shake my clothes out, but that's probably a result of watching The Sopranos so many times. Well, you're, do you think there's going to be an acrylic nail in there? I think it's like lipstick and perfume is what you think of most. Yeah. yeah. Not an acrylic nail. She finds lipstick on the collar of Well, his, remember she smells. Right. She, she smells, smells it. She smells it. Then there's the lipstick and then there's now there's the tangible evidence. Yeah. Cut to Tony at dinner with Miss Iceland or Miss Reykjavik. Patsy and company are also there. Tony's bored. He walks over to Syl and Chris. Poor fucking Patsy. Union guys, we learn, got more than the customs guys from back in the beginning of the episode. But Tony says, you're shitting me, right? This just after he said he'd be down with whatever Chris and Syl decide. Why What? Why? Why this flip-flop? I don't know. Well, so I think it's a micromanaging thing. He's bored out of his mind, but he doesn't want to relinquish control. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious about the divvy and looking into, I tried to look into it a little bit, but I imagine it has to do with he who can create more complication for Tony gets a bigger cut. Yeah. They need to be kept happy lest they stall construction progress on the Esplanade. Tony wants to keep things moving. Part of me also thinks he doesn't want Johnny Sachs sticking his beacon. Mm, so that makes a, sense. a little bit of dotting going on here. I liked, was it Patsy and his wife? 
uh, bickering. Is that his Gumar? That was all Gumars at the table. So 15 years of Chicken Mario. Yeah. Right? They're they're complaining like a married couple to me, right. which I thought was like a really interesting, re- like, why do they have those lines? Yeah. And I think it's also interesting because then later Carmela and Tony don't communicate anymore about anything. And like, there are phases in relationships where like you just bicker all the time. And like, it's almost a little healthier than like... It's early in the relationship. Yeah, I hope so. I yeah. mean, it's just interesting to see these different relationships, like Valentina and Ralphie, like even Patsy and this girl have a couple banters back and forth, you know, like try something new and like don't break my balls. Like it was just interesting to see how or why that was placed there. And then because there's a bit of relationship tension going on with everyone's relationships. The fact that they were actually communicating with each other is actually a good thing. Totally. Well, at least they're getting it all, like... Because you know. remember, Tony's like, a simple yes or no will do <laughs> when he's pouring the wine. Yeah, they don't speak at all. I absolutely love what follows mm. the line... Don't make me go down, I'm poor damn boy. I'm trying to free myself up to do a little global thinking. It's a fantastic exchange. He has these body contortions. His eyeballs are darting. Then Ralph and Valentina walk in. Mm. Same restaurant. They sit at another table. She summons T to the back. I know. She's so crazy. But he resists, but then ultimately relents. Some Dago macho bullshit about don't fuck your friend's girlfriend. Yeah, that. It's a great exchange. Mm -hmm. Dago uh, is a slur. Have you heard it or used it before? No. So it's a slur used towards guys from Italy, Spain, or Portugal. Interesting. And I found it interesting that those three countries got lumped together Mm. in that one expression. What's unique, what's common between those three countries? Just shit dudes. For Dago. Guys that are act like assholes. If anybody knows, message me. I just don't want to be where Ralph Sifaretto has been. You prick. That is inappropriate dig number one of this episode. And there's two. After two, I have a question for you. Then we learn about Ralph's habits and predilections. We kind of knew yeah. from past episodes. Yeah. But Tony's getting a real inside look here. And this sets off a whole cascade of events of him trying to seek the truth mm-hmm. on Ralph Cifaretto. When she goes back to the table to see Ralph, he says, Sick fuck. I know. Inappropriate. I didn't catch that. That is what he said, isn't He's it? He's a sick fuck. So gross. Meanwhile, Carm is in bed slowly losing her mind. She's trying to read The Mists of Avalon, which is a book that's part of a fantasy series that had a following back in the 90s, but clearly didn't break out of the gates like Game of Thrones because nobody's ever fucking heard of it. She looks outside at the pool house. Kind of reminds me, I don't know if you saw this, but I saw Tony looking out at the same window and seeing Cusimano's dental exchange student, Isabella. Mm -hmm. I think it's the wind that triggered it for me. Yeah. Well, it's like they're up in their castles, trapped in a way. Yeah. She tries to open the bird feed with bare hands, which is symbolic. With nails. There you go. As if anger can make her strong enough to even crush iron. Because that's how fucking pissed she is. I know. She was that eager to get in there. Then she tries a shovel. Her resourcefulness, powers, superhuman powers are slowly increasing. She's leveling up, Naya. <laughs> uh, if Tom Hanks can make fire, she can open a fucking bird feed over here. Yeah. You knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Cut to Tony working in the back office. Valentina calls. We learn more about this some kind of kinky shit. Mm-hmm. Believe me, she's not hung up. Right? She says that. Great little character builder for her. 
But isn't she not hung up, meaning like she's not into this? She'll do kinky shit is her yeah, point. But she's been with guys. She's been with girls. And Tony's like, with Ralph? Like he's like, he's trying to like, can I get in on that? Candle wax on balls is the first thing we hear about. Have you heard anything like that? I'm not asking for personal details, but like. Yeah, that's not that weird. It's not that weird? No. You know about that shit existing in the world? Yeah. Outside of Sopranos? Candle wax? On balls? Yeah. Wow. So you know, my one of the questions I have for you is, do you know any masochists? Yeah. Wow, they do. I know, yes. Not you know, like... Let me, let me, let me get, let me get not you... Not to that degree. Not to that degree. But you don't have to give any carnal knowledge. I think but, all men deep down are a little... I mean, I think it goes both ways. I'm definitely more a submissive masochist than I am a sadist or the dominant person in that situation. So you like pain? A little bit. Yeah. But not like cheese Out grater of, pain. If you were to line up 10 of your friends mm-hmm. in a room, mm-hmm. what percentage of those friends would you say are masochists that you're uh, female that, friends or male? I think well now uh, it's such a bigger conversation cuz like even if you look at the majority of porn, it's so degrading and like uh, uh Meaning women think that they need to be submissive so guys can overpower them. So I think a lot of younger girls or women have thought that they need to say that they like pain or like being choked or like being slapped and stuff like that. And there are some girls that actually really do like it, you know, like I enjoy a little of that stuff here and there. But I think it's that's why it's so bizarre for Tony to even imagine a guy could actually like being humiliated or like you know, dominated to some degree. Cause like that's, it's not as traditional for a man to be a masochist, but I mean, this ring I wear is a Venus and furs ring, which is a famous story of a woman who dominates a, a man. It's all about that. Like the, the reverse. So the man is the masochism. Like, Well, there's a lot of male characters in shows. I'm going to catalog yeah. them for you in a minute. Let's actually pick that up when I get there. So candle wax on balls is not I don't, crazy to you but maybe i'm i'm probably in the crazier category so to me that's probably not that crazy but i do think like wax and like massage oil things are like level one of like okay. snm light okay like so, handcuffs. so so candle wax on balls is i think first candle base. wax on balls is like level three of the wax like it's like the chest it moves okay down. but yes okay it's, all right good thank you i don't know what drugs smell like <laughs> so i clearly need yeah so Candle wax on balls gets Tony to say Jesus H. Christ. Apparently, Jesus H. Christ is an expression that is more or less attributed to Mark Twain. In his autobiographies, where it was first, it became common in uh, popular culture, if you will. Mm -hmm. The H is considered by some to mean herald. Hmm. I don't know if you knew this or not. Others connect it to the Greek lettering of the word Jesus. Fucking hooked on phonics over here. Then... Valentina mm-hmm. goes for the game winner. Okay? NBA. Cheese grater. Yeah. Naya, have you heard of anything like that in the history of your life? Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. There's so a whole rubbing level. your skin raw. There's like dudes that like to have their balls like smacked with bats and shit. Like people are into some weird pain fetish stuff. Getting kicked in the nuts is one of the worst things that could ever we talked about that. I remember talking about this with you. You can die. Girls in stilettos will like step on dudes' balls. But here's also something why a lot of men are masochists because think about it this way like even in Mad Men there's an episode where he hires a hooker Mm -hmm. and she slaps him in the face a lot of times. Men that are super powerful have a lot of pressure to like be in control 
take care of a family, make money, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes they don't want to control situations anymore. So I've kind of understood how men can sometimes just enjoy someone else leading or kind of like taking over for a little bit. I don't, I can't get all the way to like stepping on your penis till it like bleeds, but th- there are some people that get off on that. That explains Chuck Rhodes and Billions. Mm-hmm. And a in, lot of them, the a lot H- of powerful men really like to be dominated. And in the, in the HBO show Succession, mm-hmm. uh, Roman Roy, played by Kieran Culkin, this whole storyline of him, like, basically getting off at being called names. Yeah. And in some ways, Tony is emotionally abused by women. It's just not the physical side of being uh, a masochist, you know? But yeah, Cheese Grater seems pretty insane. That is level four. I mean, that's on like... A, on a scale of that's, one to four. That's like when people, like, cut off their oxygen shit. Like, people die sometimes doing this stuff. Let's you segue. could try some wax, Vic. You yeah. could get some wax in here. Silvio comes in, <laughs> eating out of a container. This was too much for of me. mozzarella balls. I didn't notice that until you said that. This just after we hear about wax on balls and cheese grating on skin. I know, which Subtle. sucks because I do that shit all the time. I just eat those little mozzarella balls. Now They're I'll so never good. be able to. They're so good though. You can only eat them if you buy it, and then you open it, and then you eat it that day. Yeah, if you I know, let them sit weird. in the fridge for a couple of days, they become way too rubbery. Are you supposed to keep it in the water? Yes. Okay. thousand percent. I always drain it out. That's my no. problem. Yeah, it becomes weird. And I only eat them same day. Like, we'll make a big pasta thing, and then we'll do it. I wish it. I could not eat them. I have to eat them all. And like We got four or five people eating at a time. It's just you. If you eat a whole jar of it, then you're going to have problems. I yeah. know. <laughs> One person. <laughs> Tracy is mentioned. Uh, when asked whether Ralph is weird about women. I love this delivery. Of course, it's tying back to the university episode. This is another, this is the beauty of the show. It's so well thought out that we can keep going back and forth. Cut now to Melfi. Mm. She teaches us an SAT word. Cuckholding <laughs> is when a man is having an affair with another man's wife. But Tony says she's not his, she's not married. Yeah. And so... Melfi's response is so smart and brilliant and everything that I love about Melfi. She's not his wife anyway. She's just Gomar. And therefore has no status, whatever. Gomars have status. I mean, it's not like in the old days. They don't, do they? Do, but I was going to ask you that. They, gotta, they have some status. They get gifts. That's about it. They get dinners. They're not in the will. They're, they're not... taking care of They're not in the will. They're not going to be, they're not in their estate plan. But For 15 years being a side chick? <sighs> I hope that never happens to anyone. But if you're like brought into that, if you're you know what you're getting into, I guess, you or know you what just you're think into. you can't consenting adults, man. Now Come on. all those women could have been like Instagram models and be making millions. They probably are. I have another patient waiting. She says, Tony's response, fantastic. I, know. I can relate to it now. Actually, I'm afraid our time is up. Just give me another minute. I have a patient waiting. Yeah, well, let him wait. You make me wait out there all the time. Her response in body language is classic. She knows he's right, Mm -hmm. so she allows him to go over time. But it's also kind of an interesting conversation, certainly more interesting than the one she's about to have with Joe Jerkoff in the waiting room, right? totally. They're talking about something substantive and interesting and textbook masochist, Mm -hmm. she says. Somebody who derives sexual gratification from their own pain or humiliation. Love Um, this stuff. My question for you was, do you know any textbook masochists? I am one, yeah. Melfi goes on to discuss paraphilic disorders. Um, most recently, again, Roman Roy is the best example of someone who displays paraphilic disorders on TV. Um, Chuck Rhodes, we also mentioned. And of course, the apple of our eyes, Naya Ralph Zaffaretto. <laughs> she says, 
part that fascinates me. She says that it's rooted in childhood, Mm -hmm. makes you think back to what Hesh said about Ralph's mother at the horse stable, controlling and punishing mother. I got to ask, since you said it, did you have a controlling and punishing mother? Is there any truth in what Melfi said? I think it's interesting because Tony had a the same kind of mother. It's just interesting how it manifests He's in different ways. He's not masochistic, ways. though. Well, that's why why I think it's so interesting that Ralphie is and he isn't in yeah. the physical sense, like in the bedroom. Yeah. And I don't know what I think. I think it's just becomes like, I mean, I had a, a pretty crazy mom, but I don't think that's the reason why I'm a bit more masochistic. I think a lot of it is like you like to please others. But I guess Tony wanted to... You know, please, but uh, I don't know. Tony's an emotional masochist, in my opinion. Yes. So they're the same. I agreed. You know. Classic Tony therapy reaction. Is everything about everybody really about their mothers? I think so. Me too. (laughs) Hey, when did T become good at human anatomy terminology? For a guy like that, he's going out with a woman. He could technically not have penisary contact with her valvo. That was a little weird. What he's trying to do is talk himself into being with Valentina, using therapy to achieve his ends, like he always does. Nothing new there. Basically, what he's saying to Melfi politely is that he doesn't want his dick where Ralph's has been. But yeah. why not just say it to her? Why is he being, why is he being professional with her? I think it, he's it was, just super uncomfortable yeah. about the whole thing. But here's my question. I mean, don't you think that kind of bizarre intimacy or sexual relations is even more fucked up and not want to be in the same situation with a woman. Like, just because he didn't put his penis inside her, like, she's doing other weird shit to him. Isn't that make you just as uncomfortable or more uncomfortable? Or is she that traditional? She's relenting. She's actually complaining about it and saying, I'm not into this stuff and it scares me and it's just too weird. He's looking for purity. He's trying to, like, figure out the level of Valentina purity here. And the fact that she's, like, rebuking Ralph makes it okay. Well, here's two questions. Why does she like—why does Valentina want to be with Tony? Does she even want to be with him, or— I have that same question for you. I think she's just slightly bored, too. I mean, she's obviously super insecure. Literally, one of the first things out of her mouth is, like, do you say that to all your girls? Yes. Right? She's very insecure, needs approval— That's why she does the stupid shit for Ralph. She can't get out of it because she's a pleaser. So he calls Valentina after therapy. Mm -hmm. Again, therapy as enabler. First thing he does when he gets in the car. Pickwick Framing is where she works. Thought she was a fucking gallerist. What happened? Uh, Leo Castelli over here. He sees visions of Ralphie. Yeah, that was funny. Hangs up. Something's missing. Naya, therapy wasn't enough. He needs further validation. Question. Again, I said it, but I think this is part of it. Is part of the hang-up that he keeps seeing Gloria Trillo and he's stuck on that. No, I just think no? he's never really even known this whole genre of, in, like, sex exists. He's it's, he's act far more traditional than, I you think. You think he's thinking about becoming a masochist? Well, I think the comparison of the mother and he's like, I can identify with that. And, like, I think there's a bit of, like. Why aren't I into that yeah, shit? Yeah, or, like, why, not even that, just more like, how did that happen to him? And not me, or why is there a difference? Yeah. Because you sense a bit more empathy for Ralph from him in some weird fucked up way. He's revealing that he's very sexually traditional. Very traditional. Yeah. Very traditional. Which I find, I guess, a little unexpected because he's a little bit more creative in his but he's business a boy. thinking. And right. he says it in this episode too. I have an eight-year-old sense of humor. That's true. He does. Nice tell. Yeah. Cut to Maria 
Bartiromo, the money honey Naya, CNBC, God seeing her makes you realize where the time has gone. <laughs> she was at CNBC for 20 years. Oh 20 fucking years. I feel old. She was the first woman to report live from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. She's actually why I got interested in finance. I saw her when I was in college and I was like, damn. I want to learn about that shit because of Maria Bartiromo. <laughs> That's so True funny. story. I we bought should her. get her. You should try to find her. Anyway. Okay, enough with the memory fucking lane here. <laughs> now, instead of Carmella, Tony's in the shower. Is she going to throw water on him? No. Mm-mm. Carm is getting stock tips so she can invest that bird feed money she's determined to get her hands on. Maria is talking about something on topic. Right? If you listen closely, she's talking about women's financial acumen versus a man's. Tony's singing, We don't need no do-do-dee-da, which, of course, is Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall Part 2. She beelines for Tony's keys, grabs them without breaking stride. Risky, huh? Very. Confidence. And heads for the bird feed where she unlocks it and takes fat stacks. Thoughts on the amount she took? Too much, too little, or just right? I mean, I would have taken more if I'm going to take 50000 50, Grab that shit. I would just What's take the whole do? bag. If she had found the fingernail... Oh, she already found the fingernail. Yeah. yeah. She should have taken the whole fucking bag. And my finale thing will probably drive that point home. Back to Polly's mom. She's locking herself up in her room because Cookie and Min are being mean to her. Now that you said that thing about Polly, I'm thinking about it in a whole new light. Mm. Polly says she'll take care of it. That principle better run, Lola, run. <laughs> Great, great movie with Franco Potente. I know. He's actually very loving and empathic here. He's a good son. All these guys. They're so dutiful to their mothers. It's the Italian guilt. My brother lives in Boston. We want him to move, but he doesn't want to leave my mom. Wow. Yeah. Even in 2019, that, that vestige of the past is still strong. Oh, yeah. The prodigal son has returned. It's like a badge of honor. Mm hmm. Cut to Furio in Naples. Little palate cleanse, Naya. Little post Putanesca Altoid. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Furio's with his uncle. So chic. This whole scene his is His father's like, brother. Did you understand the Italian? A little bit, yeah. Okay. I picked up a couple of words I'm very proud to Good. announce. He tells his uncle that he's in love with the Don's wife. This fucking guy, right? Uncle says, stay away. It's still okay. There's still time. You don't, your, your life isn't fucked. I know. What are you doing, bro? And they always find out everything. These these are bosses. That's the line I wanted to ask you. Do you think that's true? Yes. Yes. Because just like in Game of Thrones with with (laughs) Littlefinger, they have little birds out in the world. And Tony's got little birds out in the world. Here's things. People want to endear themselves to him to climb up in the world. If they see some shit going down against the boss, they're going to go tell the boss. It's this this thing. The more powerful you are, what is it? Kiss the ring mentality. I thought it was also a nice little sneak peek of Furio talking to his uncle and we get Tony talking to Junior all the time. Yes. And just kind of this like really good dynamic, just a sweet little thing. You don't even notice it that it's his uncle, but he's got to go. He's got to talk to his lawyer. He's got to take the call. He almost ignores Furio a little too. Yeah. But gives him just enough advice. Wonderful parallel. You know. The only way you could have her, uncle says, is if you killed him. (sighs) Then uncle says, Stroons. Like Junior did. Mm-hmm. Nice tie-in in an mm-hmm. episode. Like we said, we don't get Junior here. Um, you think Furio would actually kill Tony to have Carmella? God, I... It's the age-old I, question. I, I think he thinks about it. Okay. I think he weighs his option. Italian men are very passionate. People kill for love all the time. 
From Furio, we're back on Carmela. Nice touch. Mm-hmm. She's watching Mario Batali in Naples. Mario loves him. Oh, yeah. String bean recipe. Oh, yeah. She mentioned it at the dinner. Mario's ponytail sends Carmela on a fever dream. <laughs> Naya, a little forced here, though. I thought, we get it. She's into him. Agree or disagree? Well, that's what I said earlier. It's like a little exaggerated. Her, yes. her escape fantasy and then somehow... But then also then, I guess, maybe not. Because when he just said, I love her... That's a huge thing coming from him that we get. So I guess this exaggerated way of kind of understanding how big it it is to Carmela might need to be that way because she's not talking about it. And then she quickly gets distracted and like is getting money and doing all these other things. But that's how easily she can be distracted by Furio. Maybe, Uh maybe it has to be that dramatic is the only thing I can live with because I thought it was ridiculous too. So the way I'm looking at it from like a, as if I were the creator of the show, is that I want to drive the point home yeah. that there's no turning back for Carmela. She's going all the way with this guy. Mm-hmm. And the only way to continue that is to just be like incessant with it. I just think anything that can remind her of him does at yeah. this point. Uh, cut to Tony, Ralph, and Aid at the club. I have a problem with this scene. I want to get your opinion on it. Okay. The horse is ready to race again, we learn. I'm mentioning this because the horse as a liability for Ralph is top of mind. Main thing of interest here, though, is that Ralph's a dick to Adriana about the olives, but she owns him. Yeah. She she shouldn't have gotten him his olives. She should have said, fuck you. Well, she got him like a million to she be an asshole. She got him a million to be an yeah. asshole. Good on her for not letting it escalate. But thoughts on how he treated a made man's girl... I guess she's not married, so it's, I guess it's a fair game. But what was your reaction to the way he treated her and then the way she handled him? I mean, you've never seen, I have some guy friends when I was younger that used to like rag on their friends' girlfriends a little. And it's kind of like a braggy type attention, jealousy, flirty thing that happens all the time. I also think, but in this case, he's more doing it for tony than it is for himself How so? because guys do that shit all the time they put down girls in front of their guy friends to think it's cool they downplay everything you know and christopher's not there if christopher was there i don't think he would have done that christopher, christopher wouldn't have tolerated it no of course okay. not also i think it's harmless and it's also to see what tony's gonna say back i don't know i think he's just he's just a dick and anyone that you know oh where are my olives you know like it wasn't that bad and it's not that unexpected from ralph i think adriana has dealt with it before that's also why she, she seemed it. she knew exactly what to do earlier you know? we were talking about canned responses for kindergartners yeah she had the perfect canned responses for him yeah play the sound bite she said you can tell everything about a man by the way he treats women super loaded statement yeah at ralph i also think if this whole conversation about ralph sexual preferences hadn't come up i don't think tony would have even asked why are you giving her a hard time uh, i think fishing. i think i think this this just happens and adriana's just used to it and he, this is a different case where now he's like why you got to do that like what's the deal like what's about your mom you know like trying to dig in of what's going on with you and women tony segues from mm-hmm. adriana to try to ask ralph about his mother <laughs> but he cuts it short has to go there's clearly something there though right For melfi sure. melfi hit it on the head Back to Polly. He sees the top dog of Green Grove. I keep wanting to say Garden Grove because I'm in California, but it's Green Grove. 
He actually tries to be diplomatic before breaking limbs. It's kind of surprising that it's a strategic tack he takes because I am not a firm believer that Polly really plays chess. Mm. You know, my chess checkers thing. <laughs> but it backfires. Right. Ms. Glacullo, as we see her name is, puts it all on Polly's mom. She basically says that your mom's the fucking problem. Which I think is so telling because Polly is a problem too. But yes. no one's going to confront him and that's why he takes it so personal and like, you know, it's so hard for him to hear the, the truth. The truth. Yeah. You don't want to admit it sometimes. Yeah, this has actually changed everything now that you've <laughs> made me realize that he's modeling his mother and they're, they're both very similar. Back to Tony. He calls Chris from a payphone. Mm -hmm. Did Connie Contino ever get those washing machines? I thought it was someone else. I went back and looked at the Everybody Hurts episode. It's Frank Contino. Okay. I don't, I'm just saying it because I don't know if there was a writing little mistake or if there's, if maybe that's, maybe Connie Contino's Frank's wife. Exactly. Okay. And maybe it's not really washing machines. Yes. Earlier in this episode, Tony asks Chris to handle splits, mm -hmm. but then changes and undoes everything. And Chris calls him out here, which is classic. I've been there. Any young person that's worked for an older person that micromanages has been there. To close out this scene, Tony agrees to see Val again. Val. Tony agrees to see Valentina mm -hmm. again. The heart wants what the heart wants. Or to put it Tony's way... Heart also wants what the dick wants. <laughs> cut to the principal running for his life from Benny and little Polly. Problem solved. Mm -hmm. This was a great edit, Naya. To the point, no fat, all substance. Yeah. Kind of like an overtime game <laughs> with Shaq in his prime. <sighs> Just give him the damn ball, down low, three possessions in a row... And let's fucking go home. Fair enough. I like Shaquille O'Neal. Okay, back to Tony. <laughs> Valentina comes to tell him she broke up with Ralph. He's drinking a Diet Coke. She's drinking an Avion. But we're not stocking shelves at BevMo over here. The main point of this sequence is Tony Dig number two. Yeah. For one thing, I already took his horse. Now, we're coming full circle here. Thoughts on what he said and why he said it. Why is he hurting her? I think it's less about her, and I think it's more him still dealing with the situation of understanding Ralph's sexual preferences, personally. Okay. I think he's trying to ice, like, distance himself from Ralph and think that he's a different kind of man, even though how then are we sleeping with the same woman in some regards? Like, I think she's reminding him of how weird Ralph is, and therefore that makes him uncomfortable, therefore he has to overcompensate. Because he's already slept with her. He's already been where Ralph's been. There's no... He's already taken his girl in some regard. So him saying that to me is just, he's overcompensating. And she has no real respect for herself, so I don't think he's really thinking about her. Right? I mean... Dig it. Well, here, look. She she's also this, so desperate, In you this know? scene, she says, I really like you. I'm not going to say love, because I say that too often, or yeah, too fast. she's nuts. But... 
what are your thoughts on her persistence of wanting to be with him despite knowing that he's not that interested? Yeah. How can he be with her after and he's married with, with kids? Ralph. What does she want to be with a guy like that for? What does any girl want to be with a guy like that for? That's I'm the asking. Thing. I mean, I think they have low self-esteem. It's insecurity. Is it a power thing too? He's a powerful guy? I think a little bit. I think it's also just, you know, she's said that she's done a lot of different sexual things. I think she's a pleaser. She wants to feel liked and attention. And she even stays with him for, I mean, we see, we don't, she's not, not just in this episode. Right. So it's like, I think the emotional it's like emotional violence in this episode for me. We see no mob violence at all or any sort of real physical, minus just the chase in the school. Yeah. But to me, it's all emotional abuse in this episode of understanding like how, why people still stay in certain relationships, even though they feel like shit or she's chasing this guy who just insulted her. Like you said twice, like why would you even deal with this bullshit? Yeah. There's a million other dudes she could go find. Millions. And she's, She's pretty. She's beautiful. Yeah. So, but she still has low self-esteem, you think, huh? Even beautiful people have low self-esteem. And everybody wants what they can't have, and it's more complicated. I like that. And he keeps coming back in ways, so. It's a fun, it's fun. It's a good game. That's why people like drama. It's not boring. Carm hands $9,900 to an investment person to be put into treasuries. Something old economy, she says. Maria Bartiromo. (laughs) Okay? She's been listening. Love how she plays dumb about not knowing about the 10K reporting requirement rule, which is a real rule still to this day, even though 10,000 then is not what it is now. Uh, She's giving 9.9K to a list of people. We see the list. Mm -hmm. We've seen a list before. Tony's got a Christmas list. Remember? A lot of notepads. And and why can't Carmela have a list, right? Symmetry. Also, the print on her blouse. It's a bank blouse. It is right off something at MoMA. Yeah, it's a bank blouse. That's what I call that. Tony at the mall again, thinking of Valentina, looking at her card. Again, bored out of his mind. Yeah. Where are you going to go to pass the time when you're bored out of your fucking mind, right? It's yeah. perfect. It's a perfect, uh, you think it's a throwaway thing, but there's actually thought behind where do we put bored out of his mind fucking Tony? Put him at Garden State Mall. Because <laughs> he's not going to sit at home. No. Right? He hates home. Okay. So we get a little Janice in our lives now. She's making a special dad shirt for Bobby. Uh, in the background, I heard what sounds like Mick Jones of The Clash in the mm. background. I can't yeah, something crazy. confirm or deny that. Tony comes over to ask Jan about Ralph. $3,000, she says it's going to cost him. A number she thought he'd say yes to. Love how Tony asked how she came up with that number. It's the exact thing that I would fucking do. <laughs> Another example, though, of where he doesn't negotiate yeah. in this episode. I feel like if he had said 15, she would have taken it. I know, but money is not an issue. Like this, he's very, very careless with money in this episode. He's, he just had a big score last episode. Even well, that makes sense because even when he pulls out her card, there's a shot and there's a hundred dollar bill. Like you just money is money. He's he's swimming in it right yeah. now. But I still would have said like fifty. Money's money. But don't you spend money when you're bored? I certainly yeah, do. Yeah, it's a retail therapy. Yeah. I would have said fifteen hundred, but you know that's just me being a stingy he, bastard. He also probably just really wanted to know. Yeah, you know well, he clearly did. Yeah. And Jan tells him. What he wants to hear. Uh, and what does he do? He runs straight to Valentina and they do their thing. Which I find so bizarre that that clears her. I found it bizarre that she took him. Look, he's Tony Soprano, but two insults to the face. She slapped him. Yeah, yeah. she slapped him, but maybe that was enough. Maybe that but was But that's the, like all fun, it's all sexy tension foreplay. bullshit. Yeah. Okay. From sex to money, great segue. Mm-hmm. 
Tony goes to the bird feed. He notices some of the money's missing or has been tampered with. Why does he need the money? Because he's been spending it all on everyone else? That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm the glad painting, Janice. Yeah. Got to gotta replenish the got pockets. Got to line the pockets up, I right? I mean, that's like how much already? So. That's already nine, ten thousand bucks in your pocket, gone. Uh, over to Green Grove again. We see a beautiful, calm day, Mm -hmm. which I think was on purpose, like the beginning of this episode, Mm -hmm. right? Coming full circle. The principal is begging his mother to relent. He's got a cast on, okay? But she doesn't care. Injuries notwithstanding. Forceful, domineering, punishing mothers, right? Mm -hmm. It's existing in this scene as well. But they apply pressure, they being the principal and his wife, in the form of moving her from Green Grove, and that seems to do the trick. Yeah, to like a public awful place. Yeah, That's Salvation so Army. so awful. Are you fucking kidding me? Remember how much Livia bashed the place? Yeah, I But know. then when Tony refused to pay, she tried to stay there by hook or by crook. It's a nice place. Of course. And they don't want to leave. towels every day. This reminded me of that. Macaroons. <laughs> Wrapping things up, Tony sees the nail with his stuff. Did Carmela put it there? Of course she did. Okay. Just making sure. Just asking. Carmela's calmly... That's his nightstand. ...reading the paper. Yeah. The way she's managing this thing to this point, subtle and deft. Naya, is she biding her time? What is she waiting for? Like, why not confront him immediately about it? Because, I mean... Put yourself in her shoes. Yeah, there's nothing she can do, so at least she can have her own, like, fucking, I hate this person so much, I feel trapped, I'm gonna do this so I feel some, it's like her joke, it's her joke on him in some way, and like, she Because she has the money? Not even that, just because what, you know, that's a little win for her, that's her water over the shower to him, in a way, and like, he can't, she knows he's not gonna come at her, you know, like, it's, and she also knows that she has to accept Gumas, so why even bring it up anymore? She just wants him to know that she put the nail there. Goes back to what she said to Roe, I've made my peace. Yeah. Okay. He asks for decaf, um, which is kind of weird. For the first time, I saw Tony as a little off kilter with her. He... What time of day was this? This was in the morning. It was the morning? It was the morning. He was getting ready to, getting ready to leave the house. Do you think she left it there for a different reason than me? No, she left it there to let him know. Um, I don't think it was like collateral for the money though or anything. No. Is it fair to say he's a little nervous? Oh, yeah. He's nervous, right? Like, he's nervous because she's not saying anything. Yes. The so- silence is power sometimes towards men. The, very true. I forget that a lot. I can admit. I When I get the silent treatment, I climb up a tree and I am, I scream from the hilltops. Is anybody listening? It is it is the number one way to get to a guy. And she wasn't even passive aggressive. Like, no, nothing's wrong. She just was like, you good? They dance around the kitchen again. Mm-hmm. I love that. We've seen it before in a previous episode, one that Alan Coulter directed, I know, because I asked him about it. I just can't remember the episode. I want to say it's Night in White Satin Armor, mm-hmm. uh, the one where Richie's killed. He wants desperately to say something, but he's in check. She's got him in check. And he has to do something he doesn't want to do at times. Sometimes when you're playing chess and you are put in check, you have to do things you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Namely, get your king to a safe place. In this instance, 
Putting his king in a safe place means shutting up. He does not want to shut up. He shows all the signs of wanting to unload on her, right? But he is Tony Soprano, ultimate chess master. But shutting up and gathering more information is the strategy that he takes. Mm -hmm. Like he did all episode long with regard to Valentina and her sexual purity as it pertained to Ralph Cifaretto. But Mm -hmm. Carmela's a fucking boss. Something wrong, Tony? Oh. I know. Do you think he knows she took the money? Yes. Okay, so you think he knows 100%. Do you think he thinks she took it because she found the nail? No, he's... he's. Are you go- sure? Because that would be a good reason why he's then, okay, that's a fair deal. So he knows something is up. He Again, he's playing chess in his mind. He doesn't realize that he... He doesn't realize that she's playing chess too, okay? But the line, something wrong, Tony... Fuck check, Naya. She's got him in checkmate, okay? He says anything about the money, she checkmates his ass with the fingernail. It's sick. The so whole, is the nail 50,000K worth? Like, yeah. Is that... The whole thing is sick, but it's elegant. Yeah, it's The amazing. way she sets it up. And here is how the show and why the show is so brilliant. AJ comes in. I know. Why? regularness of life when kids walk in the room it tends to mitigate a potential tense situation from boiling over which is exactly what was felt like was going to happen yeah that's true felt like tony was gonna tony was twitching he asks aj starts talking to aj about what's going on with the bird feed or whatever but it was a really nice little device but then carmella knows that she's already got the knife in she's gonna twist a little bit she's a fucking gangster She's married to a gangster. She's a fucking gangster. You sure, Tony? There's not something you want to talk about? Do you think no. she has any... Well, I guess he asked about the bird feeder, so like she what? knows that... He, she's not even nervous about that, huh? No, because she has it. Did you take the money? Yeah, and if I did, whose fingernail is that? Yeah, I know. That's, yeah. What can he say? Yeah. Do it's, couples not talk about stuff like that sometimes? Is that like a real thing in marriages? Like what? Just when you both know, when you have something over each other, does it just cancel it out and then you kind of just move on? First of all, I lose every time I play chess. <laughs> I, uh, I've, you know what I mean, though? I'm, like, I'm 0 for 100, okay? <laughs> but yes. There is that? Yes. There's, there is unspoken... out. There's unspoken canceling out. That's just the nature of being around people long enough. Ugh, you know? I'm not looking it's forward not a, to that. It's not an unhealthy thing, but it is, a, it is an element. Yeah. Fade to the music one more time. The line we hear is, one more time you hurt me. Okay, Carmela's singing to him here. That's a lyric from the song, When the Battle is Over, mm. by Delaney and Bonnie. But the song is actually, I don't know if you knew this, It's an Aretha song. No, I didn't know that. She penned it. Interesting. Okay. And the lyric, when this battle is over, who will wear the crown is what you hear when it's black. And that is such a great context for what we just saw and what the stage is now set for. Totally. Leading into white caps. She is playing Tony's game and in many ways when she's playing one-on-one against him on the court she wins yeah it was so great to be back with you yeah doing this today 
Thanks was. for making time. Of course. And getting out your magnifying glass with me. <laughs> we will see you next time. Bye, Vic. <laughs>